This is the best of Judge Janine. Best of. Welcome to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is a man who's got incredible experience in the years of professional security uh, in both public and private sectors. Wayne Black, for more than a decade, was the security advisor and, and PSD lead for former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld. He routinely details threat assessments for schools, churches, synagogues, hospitals, and other facilities. He's personally supervised protection details and special threat assessments in the U.S., Central Asia, the Middle East, Africa, Europe, and South America. Uh, and as a contractor for the Department of Homeland Security after the events of 9-11, he supervised a red team conducting threat assessments at designated national security events. This guy doesn't just talk the talk, folks. He walks the walk. His name is Wayne Black, and I want to welcome him to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Wayne, I I got to tell you uh, that more than ever, we need people like you on the national scene talking to Americans about what needs to be done to protect not just American citizens, but to protect our children in schools. So let's start with Uvalde and what happened there. And we all understand the fog of war. We all understand what happens when immediately after a traumatic event uh, and things get a little mixed up. But it sounds to me like things were totally screwed up in Uvalde, Texas, where uh, 19 uh, children were shot and two teachers as well. Talk to me, Wayne. Judge, I'm happy to be here. It was just a failure at so many levels, failure of planning and everything else. I mean, the fact that we're now learning that the room where the most of the children were, were killed was unable to be locked. It just says it all. I mean, the whole purpose of school police or, or anyone that does an assessment, apparently they did not, is to make sure that something happens to plan for the when, not the if. And yes. so that was the start of it. And then, of course, the failure to go in. I mean, the only people they detained were parents trying to rescue their own children in, in 75 minutes, Judge, as you know, it took to, to get in there. You know, I, I got to tell you, folks, uh, Wayne Black has written an article uh, on the Uvalde school shooting. He says it was a failure of leadership, not gun laws. Uh, and it's, is it in the Federalist? Is that where it is, Wayne? I'm reading it online. Yes, ma'am, it is. Okay, well, I would recommend to all my listeners that you read it. I mean, it is very clear. It's very concise. But, you know, Wayne, you and I understand that when there's a shooting, you go toward the shooting, especially when children are involved. You've got these school resource officers. And I must tell you, I've known many of them in my career. And, and you know, some of them are really take their job seriously. Some of them are retired detectives who decided, you know what, I want to stay in law enforcement, but I don't want to have the, you know, the, the day-in, day-out shooting stabbings. Uh, but some of them are also, they just kind of see it as a retirement. They're out of shape. You know, they don't take things seriously. And I got to tell you, this Pete uh, uh, Abandando, uh, he, he strikes me as a guy who, you know, was on the donut brigade and uh, there's not much else going on. And the lies that were perpetrated saying they were looking for a key for 70 minutes when the door wasn't even locked and it wasn't even capable of being locked. 
shocked. Uh, it would infuriate any any parent and parents actually being handcuffed who are trying to go into the school to get their children out. What is the obligation? You, you're in a hallway. You hear children crying, screaming. You know they're bleeding out. You know they've been shot. You know that seconds count, not minutes, seconds count. And you've got some bozo out there who doesn't know what he's doing. Do you break the chain of command? What do you do, Wayne, in a situation like this? If you've already, you're in the hallway, you're a cop, you got a gun, you got a body shield. Talk to me. Well, Judge, you go in. You absolutely have to go in. And it's like, do you obey an unlawful order? First, I'm not sure he was there at the very beginning, but the first officer or two, the first officer needs to push push through. And, and it boils down to this, Judge. If you don't want to do this, if you haven't planned to do this, then you should sell car insurance or something. If you you know you put the badge on, that's your obligation uh, with a school, especially to go in and rescue the kids. And in your article, you specifically say, after receiving grazing gunshot wounds from the Uvalde gunmen, the Uvalde police showed rank cowardice and retreated. So we're talking about the school police or the town police. Who are we talking about there? Well, um, both. I think the first the first batch of police were there at the school were school police. Um, but again, there was no plan at the first sound of gunfire. The teachers should have known, should have been trained by the school police to lock their doors. And the school police should have done an assessment to know that all doors lock. Here's mm-hmm. what I'm worried about, Judge. I think when it shake, shakes out that if anyone did fire back at this guy, mm-hmm. if they were grazed, that I wonder if there's going to be friendly fire. I wonder if we, we call it pray and spray, so mm-hmm. which is a, a negligent way to fire. I wonder if ballistics will show that some of the the officers that did fire uh, actually hurt children. Interesting. You know, they've got the, and and that is a frightening, frightening thought, but you've got the Texas uh, Department of Public Safety, the state police, so to speak, the Texas Rangers, I'm, I'm not sure what they're called, but it's the state law enforcement agency. They've been incredibly critical of the local school police saying that it was an abject failure. I mean, can we expect that that kind of assessment by the state of the school police is in some way that they know what you're talking about when you talk about the friendly fire? I think that's right. I mean, I hope so. But like Parkland, Judge, it's only going to shake out in terms of the details uh, in civil actions, I predict. I mean, we learn more in Parkland in the civil cases um, than we did really from the beginning, from the evidence. So it's just, it just couldn't, it just couldn't be more ugly. When you think of the amount of officers were there and they fell into groupthink and to have this police chief now say he didn't consider himself to be the incident commander. I mean, he's the de facto incident commander when he arrives, even, you know, he even came without a radio for God's sakes. Yeah, and it is amazing. I mean, you always have someone who is, you know, the commander, who is the leader in charge. And for this guy to not even, you know, designate, you know, this is going to be where we're going to make our decisions. You know, we're going to bring in a unified uh, uh, frontier because you've got other agencies coming. And you've got you've got board, border, uh, 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 they call him Bortek, who was a Border Patrol officer who was, I guess, from with SWAT who grabbed a gun at the at the uh, barber shop and decided to go in himself and shoot the uh, shooter. I don't know if that ever turned out to be the case. Is that true, Wayne? Do you know? 
Well, that's what we're hearing. It's still it's still being reported. Then there's the story of the of the local police officer whose wife's a school teacher. She later she called him, but later died on the way to the hospital. Um, he was disarmed by someone, I think, by the school police. He wanted to go in. And he was detained and disarmed and not allowed to go in and rescue the children and his wife. You know, and, and I admire you for, you know, the way you look at it. You're looking at this very factually, and I'm editorializing and, and saying this is outrageous. I mean, if your wife is in that school, I mean, nothing could stop me other than the local police putting cuffs on me from going into that school myself. And there is a mother that, that reports are who was cuffed by the local police who then apparently, and I don't know if this turned out to be the case, was able to get the uh, to convince them that she wasn't going to do anything, back off, and then run around the school and grab her kids, whether that's true or not. But you know, what do we do now? We harden the schools. Uh, we've got a. What else do we need to do, Wayne Black? Well, in states like Florida, for example, Governor DeSantis has this uh, assessment tool that he sends out to all public schools through the Department of Education and requires them to do an assessment, fill out the tool, the online tool, and report back to them. And it has things like door locks, planning, lockdown drills, et cetera. And so they're all over it. Every state needs to do that. Um, Private schools are so far ahead uh, judge of, of the other schools because they just do it. They don't have a board to worry about. I mean, mm-hmm. think of the natural conflict. You know this better than anybody. This police chief is elected to the school board. Mm-hmm. So he has a conflict. He's supposed to be telling the school board what they need to do, and yet he's being paid to be on the school board. Interesting. Interesting. That is a conflict. You know what? I must tell you, Wayne Black, uh, you are certainly knowledgeable about this. I think everybody ought to take a look at Wayne Black's article in The Federalist. The Uvalde school shooting was a failure of leadership, not gun laws by Wayne Black. My friend, you do great work. Thank you so much. And born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been honoring America's heroes ever since. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The best of Judge Janine is on the air. Best of. Joining us now is the Cochise, Arizona County Sheriff. Please join me in welcoming Mark Donnells to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Let me tell you a little bit about Sheriff Mark Donnells. Uh, for the last 10 years at least, uh, he's been elected by the citizens of Cochise County to serve as a 26 Cochise County Sheriff uh, since 1881. That doesn't mean he's been around since 1881. Uh, Sheriff Donnells is a 38-year veteran of law enforcement. He's got a master in criminal justice, uh, and he's a certified public manager from Arizona State University. Uh, look, I'm going to tell you, I know uh, Sheriff Donnells. Uh, he's a great guy. I love the guy. He's an American. He is fighting. He is fighting the good fight that we just talk about every day. So let's welcome Sheriff Mark Donnells. Mark, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on the show, Judge. Really well, it, it. It, it's good to it's good to to have you back, Mark. I don't even know where to start. 
This week, we hear about 150,000 fentanyl pills in, uh, I believe, California. It's enough to uh, kill millions of people. Uh, the two dirt bags are booked in the county jail, and then they're let out on the street. The sheriff, Mike Boudreau, says he wasn't even told or consulted before they were released. Now, that's in California. You're in Cochise County. You are right on the border. You are a border uh, sheriff. What's going on there? Tell me, how bad is it? I've stepped back since President Biden's been elected and watched the infrastructure of border security be dismantled, completely dismantled. And, and let me, and I say this all the time, people say, well, Sheriff, you're being political. This is not about politics. I've worked in this county 38 years. I've seen what the good of the border. I've seen the ugly of the border. Right now, I've seen ugly on ugly right now with this crisis on our border. You're talking about fentanyl, Judge. I just got back from Kansas City last weekend and talking to the leadership of Border Patrol, talking to our HIDA directors, which is our drug task force directors in our states. Arizona leads the nation in fentanyl seizure incidents. We had 2,175 incidents of fentanyl just on our southern borders here in Arizona. And then you look at what uh, what Border Patrol shared with us. And, And this is where people can weigh this. I mean, they don't believe there's a crisis on the border. Let the numbers speak for themselves. 1.6 1.6 million encounters since October 1 of 2021. They're seized in seven encountered 7,500 up to 8,000 illegal migrants every day, which equates to that 1.6 million. Border patrols can only accommodate 3,000 to 3,500. So you look at that too. Is as a result of that, they're getting released. Family units getting released. Then you look at the, and, and this is where I call out uh, Speaker Pelosi last year made a comment about there is no humanitarian crisis on our border. Yeah. Saying that, hey, let me say this to you. We all saw what happened uh, in San Antonio, Texas with the 53 migrants in the back of a truck. Right. Add, 400, add 480 migrant deaths since October 1. That's over 500 deaths of people that have died on this border. 533. It's incredible. Then you add on to that 400,000 gotaways, which is a nominal number, the fact that that's what they know. And then 157 countries have breached our border. Those statistics were given to me last weekend. There's no way you can sit there and tell me that this border is secure. And the press secretary of President Biden came out a couple days after this. I got back in Kansas City and said, the border is secure. Folks, the border is not secure. You know, Sheriff, it's got to it's got to be frustrating because you're there. You see it. I've been down there several times with you. I've seen it Uh, when the president of the United States, when the press office looks in the cameras and tells the American people the border is closed, the border is secure. You know, that's just a lie. It is a lie. There's no way to spin this. It's a complete fault narrative complete false narrative when you're telling the american people that you have a manageable control border secretary my continues to say that i just read a press release yesterday on the mpp the migrant protection protocol reversal yeah. i just keep looking at all these infrastructure uh dismantling measures by this administration judge there's no other way to describe this but a open border intended consequence orchestrated by this president, this administration, and members of Congress who have failed to step up and fix this. Secretary, uh, uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi want an open border. Vice President Harris has totally neglected our border. And the, way, the reason I'm saying that, maybe I sound a little frustrated, is the fact that it's an insult to every local law enforcement, sheriff's deputy, sheriff, 
governor, mayor, community leader that's been down here trying to protect this border when our absence, our federal government. Well, you know, what do you think the end goal is, Sheriff Mark Donnells? What, why are they why are they allowing this to happen? Someone said that, uh, you know, I don't know what the number is. I mean, you're talking about one sector and thousands, and um, there are so many points of entry, so many gotaways. Um, what is the end game here? Well, I think the end game is, and this is what's hard to articulate on a reasonable level, truly is. But the end game, I've heard everything from what well, they want more voters. Democrat Party wants to get more voters. I truly believe it's just a complete slap in the face of President Trump, his administration, for actually securing the border. Now President Biden's coming out. Whatever Trump did, whether it worked or did, uh, didn't work, it's irrelevant. It's, a, it's totally opposite of him. And unfortunately, everything this president's doing, he's neglecting his oath of office to protect this country. He shares the same oath of I, I do, Judge. Same one you did uh, when you uh, when you were in government, serving with government, to protect your citizens and your local communities. And I'm telling you, he's fractured that right now. He's fracturing the rule of law when it comes to securing this border under our Constitution. What's interesting is the Supreme Court this week uh, said that uh, he's entitled to, uh, you know, dismantle the remain in Mexico policy, which basically means that everybody can just rush the border and come right in. And, uh, you know, you don't have to remain in Mexico or the first country, as they call it, that, that, that's, you know, the closest to where you're leaving in order to seek asylum. And, and uh, you know, just for some of the, the numbers of Sheriff Mark Donnells from Arizona, uh, people, the number of people who show up for their, uh, you know, asylum hearing is is minuscule, and of that number, ninety percent don't get asylum. So the whole thing is it's a it's like a con game, you know. Come in legally and seek asylum. There's no problem with that. And yet the Democrats, they'll just say to you, well, they're all seeking asylum. Well, no, they're not. They just want to come here. And I don't know how long our schools, our social services, our hospitals, we're in the middle of the highest inflation we've had in 40 years. You know, the economy's a mess. Gas is $5 a a gallon and going up. I mean, yesterday, Joe Biden said, you know, well, it's going to be for a long time. You can blame Putin. Nobody blames putin we hardly got gas from putin and he gave putin a waiver so that putin could uh you know uh, uh he uh, do the nord stream and shut down everything in the united states it's it's everything is contraindicated i i gotta tell you sheriff Donnells. i mean i am very worried for everyone down there at the southern border you are outspoken you always have been sheriff mark Donnells from cochise county in Arizona, I mean, and you're out there fighting. I mean, you know, that's that, you know, that's that's why I like you. I mean, you're you're in their face. You're doing their, the, the job that you were elected to do. And the shame of it is you're doing it against all odds with a government and a, uh, a vice president uh, who's in charge of the border, who's never even been there. I mean, this is this is crazy town. Uh, but I hope that you are safe. I pray that you stay safe. And, uh, you know, we'll see what the next election you know what happens but the democrats the president will be there at least until 2024 so uh sheriff mark Donnells, i i i wish you well i i thank you for the work that you're doing america doesn't have any idea 
how hard you're fighting at that border. They really don't. You have to go there to actually see the hell that's going on there. So Sheriff Mark Donnells from Cochise County, thank you so much for joining us on the Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. It was good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Judge. Okay. Thank you, Judge, and thanks for all you do. All right. Take care. The best of Judge Janine is on the air. Best of. Joining us now is a publishing executive, a politician, a podcast host, and an author and editor-in-chief of Forbes magazine. He has a new book out, folks, and I can't wait to read it. It's called Inflation what it is, why it's bad, and how to fix it. And I'll tell you, if anyone is trying to understand what's going on in the country right now, this sounds like the absolute primer that we need right now. So please join me in welcoming Steve Forbes to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. All right, Steve, just another, I want want to mention a couple more things before we get into this. I mean, you are the expert when it comes to the economy. Uh, You know, your your newest podcast that you have, What's Ahead, uh, you have some of the world's top newspaper newsmakers and politicians in business and economics. And, you know, your signature views on the intersection of society, economics and policy are certainly uh, noteworthy. And uh, you did a, uh, a highly acclaimed public uh, television documentary in Money We Trust with a question mark at the end. So uh, you know of what you speak, Steve. So welcome. Let let me ask you first, what is inflation? Why is it that we are now experiencing the highest inflation in 40 years? Uh, at, is it 9% now, 9.1%? That's, uh, that's the number that uh, just came out. And uh, that's why just about a year ago we decided, uh, and two other authors decided to do the book, do it in a jargon-free, reader-friendly way to explain this phenomenon that has got people obviously very upset, busting family budgets, and people wonder what in the world is going on. So we thought this book would enable people to get their minds around it and better understand what's happening and what we can do about it. Okay, great. All right, so people say, Steve Forbes, that inflation is nothing more than a tax on on the middle class, the lower class, uh, economically in our society. And what I'm reading is that people are now suffering. Talk to me about how it hits the average family. Well, what it's done in terms of both a few food and fuel, uh, where people see it every day when they go fill up or go to the grocery store, is that it's hitting a typical family four to five thousand dollars a year. Right. Now that'll come down a little bit, but that's uh, that that's a big hit. And then with the Federal Reserve, our central bank raising interest rates, what that's done is raise mortgage rates. Most people, as you know, have uh, adjustable mortgage rates, and those are going to be going up when those adjustments are made uh, as they come uh, due later this year. So uh, families are being hit. And the thing to understand is there are two kinds of inflation. One is what you might call non-monetary inflation. That is things that happen like you have a drought or you have a storm or you have the shutdowns that we had uh, two years ago that vastly disrupt things, raises prices. And normally, those kind, that kind of inflation, you if you leave the economy alone, you come out of it. But unfortunately, we have a government in Washington right now that is uh, putting in policies to hurt that readjustment, to uh, uh, hurt the supply. You know, if prices are going up, what you want to do is have uh, producers producing more, because mm-hmm. if you produce more, 
then the price is going to go down. Instead, we have Washington waging war against uh, the uh, fossil fuel industry, oil and gas. So we have the president going to Saudi Arabia and uh, asking him to produce more. Why isn't he going to Louisiana, Texas, North Dakota, and uh, getting more oil and gas from the U.S., which is there, which is regulations are blocked. Uh, they've also put regulatory obstacles, burdens, especially on smaller businesses, uh, $200 billion worth last year. So it's a doctor who, instead of uh, curing the patient, is making the patient worse. You then know- you have, Gene, the, uh, the, the, the money kind, which is basically you reduce the value of the dollar by creating too many of them. And that's what the Federal Reserve or Central Bank has been doing. Okay, so when the Democrats came in and they passed the one point nine trillion dollar so-called rescue passage with the Democrats in the House, the Senate and the Oval, not one Republican vote. Larry Summers, a Democrat, came out or at least, you know, someone who had worked with uh, Clinton and Obama, uh, a well-noted economist, said this will create record inflation. And it has I mean, Steve, we're not talking about something that people don't understand. And yet Joe Biden and, you know, I don't want to make this a political segment. What I want to do is try to understand how we get out of this mess. But but he just keeps saying now he's talking about a bill back better, uh, another version of it to put more money into the economy, which will make the inflation worse. Well, that's right. And uh, Larry Summers was right a year and a half ago when he sounded those warnings. Other Democrats did as well. And uh, the administration chose to ignore people who had experience and warn what they were doing. And so uh, uh, the Biden administration also wants to raise taxes. That's the worst thing you do when you have a troubled economy, an economy that's slowing down. So in terms of uh, what they should do, it's very clear. Let's start producing oil and gas. Let's start making it possible for up businesses to produce more so we get those prices down and the federal reserve uh, stop mucking around with interest rates stop uh, playing around with the dollar and uh, have a stable dollar and we've been doing this on and off for 50 years when we went off the gold standard back in the early 1970s before most people were even born mm-hmm. and that slowed over time the growth of the economy you know if we i'll just give you one statistic sure which will shock you when we had a stable dollar, gold base, which we did for 200 years, the average growth of the American economy, and I hate to throw out a number, but it's important, was after World War II, 4.2%. When we started to make the dollar a uh, plaything of politicians and central bankers in the early mm-hmm. 70s, mm-hmm. went down to 2.7 in 50 years. Now, I mean, that may not sound like much, but you compound that over time. It's been devastating. Give you one other number. Household Median household incomes today are $67,000. If we'd maintained our 200-year average of growth, this country, that household income today would be 100 to 110,000. So imagine how much better off we'd be today. Typical Americans had a stable dollar and 30 to 40 thousand dollars of extra income. That is what happens over time when you let the politicians play with the dollar. And, you know, Steve Forbes, I mean, you know of what you speak here. And, you know, that, that it's really depressing. And the number that you quoted, uh, uh, you know, uh, average Americans paying four or 5,000 more a year 
for this inflation that is being caused by putting too many dollars into the economy. And, you know, you can't help but intersect that, as you did, with gas and oil. And, you know, the idea of going to the Middle East, Steve Forbes, on bended knees to Saudi Arabia that you called a pariah, uh, it, 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 to ask them to drill for oil when we can do it in the United States. I mean, we're sitting on you know billions of barrels of uh, uh, billions of uh, barrels of oil in in Midland, Texas. Uh, it it is anti-American. And you know, when they say, Steve, tell me if I'm wrong, Steve Forbes, that it's all about the green energy transition. Look. We import dirty oil with the oil rigs as opposed to pipelines from, you know, the Middle East. What is what is the point? I mean, the the oil is dirty over there. At least the oil we make here is clean. And they talk about clean air. Well, we all breathe the same air. We're breathing in the dirty air from, you know, these countries that are that are not involved in, in any kind of energy efficiency. Well, that's right. And you have uh, China now, as we speak, building 50 different uh, new coal-powered plants, India doing the same thing. And you talk about uh, the Texas, the Permian Basin there. This mm-hmm. administration is proposing regulations uh, that is going to cut production. I don't think the rule is going to go through because the outcry is going to be too great. Cut that production almost in half. What are we doing? And why is Saudi oil more sacred than American oil? Well, that's the question. That, that is that is exactly the question. And yet what we've got is a president. Uh, and, you know, it, it, the, the truth is that Joe Biden, I don't believe, is running things. I, I just can't imagine that he that he's capable at this point. But aren't there enough people in America to kind of knock some sense into these people. What is it about Saudi oil or what is it about shutting down American entrepreneurs and, you know, American energy independence? How does that benefit us? It doesn't. And uh, this is why I think uh, you're going to see changes in the election. A lot of independents are upset. A lot of Democrats are upset. They want to change, of course. And in terms of uh, alternative energies, it's gonna that 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 uh, that that stuff costs more than uh, fossil fuels, and even the Europeans, which are very green-minded, say natural gas is a clean fuel. It is good for uh, the environment, uh, unlike coal. And so, why are we uh, must, mucking around with our production of uh, natural gas? And uh, I hate to mention the two words, nuclear power. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty clean too. That doesn't have any carbon impact. So in terms of uh, if they're serious about the fuels, go with what works. We have natural gas, and uh, and yet they're doing their best to uh, hurt the production of it and makes it more expensive. I'll give you one other number. I know this will be controversial, but in the last 20 years, governments have spent around the world $5 trillion on solar panels and on windmills, $5 trillion. What you've got for that is the amount of energy that is produced by fossil fuels worldwide has gone from 86% of energy in the world from fossil fuels down to 84. 2% <laughs> for $5 trillion. Imagine that is amazing. Use that $5 trillion for clean water, better products, new medicines, new medical devices, how much better off we'd all be. So there's a lot of colossal waste and failure out there. It's got to be exposed, and I hope it is when we 
get a new regime in Washington. All right, Steve Forbes. Steve, it's, it's been great having you on uh, the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Thank you so much for joining us Judge, and sharing you. your expertise. You have a great day. The best of Judge Janine is on the air. Best of. Joining us now is the founder and president of the National Black Farmers Association. Please join me in welcoming John Boyd to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Folks, John Boyd is a fourth-generation farmer as well as one of America's most effective defenders of civil rights. He's been featured in the Washington Post, 60 Minutes, Nightline, CNN, ABC News, Person of the Week. Uh, He's a pretty terrific guy, and he is joining us this morning to tell us about something that affects every person in America, and so I'm delighted to have him join us. John, how are you this morning? Thank you. Thank you very much. And and it's an honor and privilege to be on your show. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I know you're a busy man. So uh, I, I want you to talk about uh, the, the what you see as a future problem uh, yes. that American farmers say that American sum- consumers are not only struggling right now with soaring costs, but yes. some say that it's going to get worse. Talk to us. It, it, it really is. And, and, and uh, just wait we're in a farm crisis, and uh, you know we're facing all-time highs for for diesel fuel, six dollars a buck for for our diesel fuel for our tractors, where it takes a uh, hundred gallons, you know, to fill up my tractor. That's six hundred bucks to pop. Wow. And uh, fer- fertilizer has uh, tripled. Last year I was paying four hundred dollars a ton uh, for triple seventeen, and this year I'm paying almost twelve hundred dollars a ton, a-, a metric ton for for fertilizer. Mm-hmm. All of these costs are upfront costs for the American farmer. And w- when you do that, uh, you're really putting them at a, a terrible disadvantage. And, you know, Judge, uh, you know, the land knows no color. You know, just ask me, can I farm? You know, there's no uh, yep. political yep. party. Just ask me, can I produce the food? Mm-hmm. But the Biden administration hasn't done what it needed to do to help the American farmer in this crisis. And because they haven't been active and on top of this issue, the American consumer is going to pay the cost in the form of high cost of food and the local grocery stores, empty shelves and in and, and the coming months. And, you know, we have many farmers that are facing, you know, farm foreclosure, which yes. uh, people like China are, are, are buying our farms at farm auction. And, and Bill Gates continues to add on to his 270,000 uh, uh, acres that he's buying. But we're not doing enough to save America's farmers at this time of crisis. All right, this John is something Boyd. That the, the, the president said he was going to come to the table, uh, Judge, and, and to have the meeting to discuss this. And he hasn't kept his words. I wanted to say that on the show. He hasn't kept his word uh, to me in a personal uh, buttonhole meeting that he was going to have an official meeting to discuss these issues that are facing Americans' farmers. You know what, John Boyd, uh, it breaks my heart to hear you say that because the people who work with the land, on the land, producing food for Americans. I mean, you are essential workers. I, You know, I hate the idea, uh, as you say, of China coming in and and being farmers. Why is Bill Gates buying all of this land, just as an aside for a second? What's that about? Well, you know, he's running up land, uh, and he bought a a farm that, uh, you know, almost adjoining property to my main farm. 
And now the land prices in my county have uh, tripled uh, to $10,000 and $15,000 an acre, which means the American farmer can't compete with that. You know, uh, it takes a little bit more just to, to make it whether I like it or not. So you have to continue to build onto your farm so that you can, can stay afloat and send your kids to school and pay your bills. And Bill Gates has taken us out of that game. And uh, he's hurting the American farm. I want to say it on your show. So if he's yeah. listening or his people are listening, he's hurting America's farmers. And the people that come to these auctions and bid on these farms, it's un-American for, for China. So they have them on a cell phone and uh, they have the uh, person they're bidding just on the farm, but they're buying the land for China. I want to say to those persons, what you're doing is very un-American. You know, uh, and, and, and you're hurting the American farmer as well. It, it, it is amazing that another country can come to the United States and yes. then farm our land for the benefit yes. of China. Is that what you're saying, John Boyd? Oh, absolutely. This, this is China buying these American farms. I want to be perfectly clear. And, and people like Bill Gates, it's not the American farmer that can pay $10,000 and $15,000 an acre uh, for land. Uh, Land in my county used to be $2,500 an acre to $3,000 an acre, which I believe is a fair price for anybody's farm. Now it's, it's up to ten dollars and $15,000 an acre. So we have that's going on, and then the, uh, the administration isn't doing what it needs to do to help farmers. You know, We bailed out banks. Uh, we, we bailed out uh, uh, the auto industry. But we won't do anything to save uh, the American farmers. That, you know what? 30 years. Yes, yes, Joe. I spent 30 years on, on a debt relief measure for black farmers and was promised that by the Biden administration during the campaign. And we don't have the money. So to watch $50 billion uh, go to Ukraine. And then yesterday, the administration announced another $100 million to help Ukraine farmers. And I can't help members of our own association here in, in, in America. And, and, we, and we are a body of people that supported them. I'm going to say that on your show. But election time is coming, and I think the American people are going to make uh, uh, their choices in the upcoming midterm elections. Uh, so they're going to let America know how they feel about what's going on, really, especially in rural America for for the American farmer. You know, John Boyd, uh, you break my heart when you talk about this. And, you know, you talk about the fact that the Biden administration, you know, hasn't followed through at the very least with the uh, uh, helping the American farmer, not even meeting uh, with you. But, you know, as I look at your resume right now, I mean, you are an incredibly uh, uh, effective individual in terms of what you've done. I mean, you know, you you know the system. I mean, you have been uh, a, a candidate for Secretary of Agriculture. Uh, you yeah. served on the Agriculture Transition Team of various administrations. Uh, yeah. You're recipient of a Legacy of Excellence appointed by Clinton Tobacco Commission. I mean, et cetera. Yeah. So, I mean, you know of what you speak, and yeah. you know it's very disappointing to hear because, look, uh, John, you may not. I've been a prosecutor, uh, a DA, and a judge. I know you. I know your history, and you're a very effective lady. Okay, thank you. But what I'm saying is I'm disappointed in how crime is being handled. Now, you're you're opening up a whole new box for me. I'm furious right now with what you're telling me. We're giving $100 million to you to help Ukraine farmers while China's buying our land? This is lunacy. That's correct. Not to mention, not to mention, once we get 
past the dilemma that you're in, how are American people going to be able to afford to buy food? And what can we expect in the future? Well, the, the high the high cost of food is is coming, and 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 it's going to be the the people, uh, uh, the American people, with the, the uh, regular Joe Blow that uh, is walking into the supermarkets, uh, where their food the price of double for them, and they're not going to be able to afford it. it it's what's going to happen, and you're going to see uh, commodities that 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 use corn, wheat, and soybeans uh, because the numbers are low, that are not going to be on the food shelves and, and readily available like we've been used to since since 1936. So this country hasn't seen a, a food crisis since 1936, and it's coming, and, and uh, this administration isn't prepared for it. They're not talking about it. They're not addressing it. And this is a very, very important issue. We, and I, I understand we're in the midst of a war and other things, and but you have to put the American farmer on the agenda as well and make it a top priority, Judge, is what I'm saying. And how can he do that? What would you like him to do? Well, first, uh, stop talking about crop insurance because crop insurance isn't helping me if I'm a farmer who can't pay his diesel fuel. If you right. want to help our members of the National Black Farmers Association, go out online and help us. We need help, and I'm, I'm not too oh. proud to, to give to us, the, ad- give the, us the address. Us. G- give us the address, John Boyd. National Black Farmers Association, all spelled out. dot org. All right, go National out Black. And help us. Yeah, nationalblackfarmersassociation.org, okay? Yes. And as you said, uh, you know, we are we're in a bad place. What do you expect yes. to see this winter? What's going to happen with food this winter? Well, you're going to see a food shortage, and it's already uh, happening. We just harvested wheat. The numbers aren't, aren't there. You know, we've, we're facing uh, uh, extreme heat uh, that's going to affect the yields, and you have a region of the world that's not planting a crop this year. All of those things are a formula for for, for failure and, and disaster, and the American uh, uh, consumer is going to pay the price. Uh, so, all right. Again, we desperately need to take a look at what's going on. And uh, for those that are listening, uh, put put America's farmers first, and, and put them at the top of the line, and look at them in a very positive way. Well, They're very very hardworking people. You are hardworking people. You work by the sweat of your brow. John Boyd, Jr., a fourth-generation farmer, a very effective uh, spokesperson for the rights of those who farm the land and feed America. We are grateful for you. And for anyone who is listening, it is um, it's black national black farmers association dot org. Yes, it is. Thank you. All right. All right. Take a look at it, folks. Uh, He is a. It makes a lot of sense, and it's about time we started getting involved in things that really matter here. Thank you, John Boyd, Jr.